Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Good evening everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday evening podcast. As we continue our study of the book of Jeremiah, we're glad that you're able to join us tonight. And we're going to begin with Jeremiah twenty nine and read verses one through fourteen in just a moment. The title of tonight's lesson is An Important Letter. So as we read this, let us notice the things that Jeremiah had to say to some people that needed to hear it. Beginning with verse 1, Jeremiah 29, this is the text of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the rest of the elders of the exile, the priest, the prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jeconiah, the queen mother, the court officials, the officials of Judea and Jerusalem, the craftsmen, and the metalsmiths had left Jerusalem. This letter was sent by Elshai, son of Shaphan, and Jemiah, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, had sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. The letter stated, This is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of your city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it it prospers, you will prosper. For this is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you. And don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them. For they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. This is what the Lord says. When seventy years for Babylon are completed... I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your welfare, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You will call to me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes 
and gathered you from all the nations and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place I deported you from. Father, we thank you tonight that we have the privilege of opening your word and seeing things that you promised to these exiles. Help us tonight that we might be able to see that these things are real and these things are promises that you made. And God, you fulfilled these things to those that were in exile. Help us tonight that we might understand your word and apply it to our hearts and lives as your spirit would direct. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I served in the United States Air Force and was stationed in Bermuda for three years. In those days before email and Skype, handwritten letters meant a lot. Each letter took about a week one way. So even if the recipients wrote back immediately, it was a two-week turnaround. Being far from home, I wrote several letters each month. I was homesick, as you can imagine. And so, reading letters. This is what we're reading tonight. A letter. A letter from Jeremiah to the exiles. Now let us think about this letter for just a moment. The initial group of Jewish exiles had been taken to Babylon in 597 B.C., Jeremiah wrote them this letter from home. A letter from home. Think about that. But it was a letter with a word from the Lord. Notice verses 1, 3, 3 tells us. Perhaps they were excited as they understood that this was a letter from Jeremiah until they opened it. The message wasn't at all what they wanted to hear. They had been hoping to return home quickly. Jeremiah, however, told them to build houses, get their children married, settle down in Babylon. Verses 4 through 7 tells us, God had decreed that they would be there for 70 years, verse 10 tells us. Also, Daniel 9, 2 talks about that. Furthermore, they were to seek the welfare of the city I have deported you to, verse 7 says. If it prospers, so would they. Since all authority is ordained by God, Romans 13, 1 tells us, good citizenship applied even under these circumstances. So God is telling us today, as we understand the context of this, that God wants us to be good citizens where we are. He wants us to participate as much as we can. He wants us to help. He wants us to be there as good citizens. Now sometimes God's people are in a place that they don't want to be. And they're there through no choice of their own. And they many times have no resources, no ability for them to change their circumstances. And so I think this is especially something that's valuable for them. Now we in our day and time, as we are here in 
Panama, most of us are here because we wanted to come, not because we were deported here, <laughs> or not because we had to come. But Jeremiah also instructed them to stop listening to the false prophets and the pagan diviners in verses 8 and 9. This is part of what had gotten Judea into trouble in the first place. Why were they con uh, continuing to sin in this way? Apparently, they hadn't really gotten the message that sin leads to judgment, and this was judgment. God had brought them there because of their sins. The prophets sent them the same messages that they had been proclaiming back home. And these messages contradicted what Jeremiah was saying. But Jeremiah's were the messages from God. Despite all of this, Jeremiah's letter ended with hope. Verses 10 through 14, he tells them that after that 70-year period was ended, the relationship between God and his people would be renewed. They would seek him and find him. He would gather them from their place of exile and bring them home. You see, some of the recipients wouldn't live that long, would they? Seventy years? More than likely, most of them would not live that long. And they didn't want to hear that message. But notice Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Now this verse is well known, but unfortunately it's often quoted out of context. Now that we know the historical and literary context that this verse is given in, how are we going to interpret it? How are we going to apply, the, uh, apply this verse to our lives? In today's passage, we see the love that tempers God's discipline. Even when he was, uh, he was punishing his people, he still made a way for them to prosper and promised them eventual deliverance. We should praise him for his compassion on us today because he wants to do the same thing for us. The meaning of Jeremiah 29.11 isn't missed, but this verse, even though regularly abused, we can understand it. It's one of the most well-known and quoted verses in the Bible. It promises are held dear by Christians all over the world. But despite its popularity, its meaning is often missed and misapplied. It's one of the most misquoted verses in the entire Bible. While many Christians have this verse memorized and they hang it on their wall, the context in which it was written is often ignored. And that's what we've looked at tonight, the context of this verse. Taking a verse out of context is a dangerous practice. When we ignore the context in which the Bible is written, 
we can quite literally make it say anything that we want it to say. So what does Jeremiah 29, 11 mean? To answer this question, we will have to look at the context as we've looked at tonight of this verse, what was happening before it, what was happening as it was being written. This helps us to see the meaning of this verse. To start, let's look at how, how Jeremiah 29, 11 is often twisted and misused. Context matters. In fact, it would be context is king, I think. When we are reading the Bible, we cannot ignore the context in which it was written. What does, what does this mean? Who was it written to? Look at the surrounding verses. Consider the original audience. Look at the larger narrative of the Bible are three things that we ought to look at. Look at the surrounding verses, consider the original audience, and the larger narrative of the Bible. Now, understanding the meaning of this verse, we're going to focus primarily on the first two. Look at the surrounding verses and the original audience. And we've looked at that already tonight, haven't we? Let me just say this. The common way this passage is misinterpreted doesn't fit the Bible narrative. The Bible teaches selfless, not a me-centered faith. When you rewind a little from this verse, as we've looked at today, what we see is God taking, uh, talking to the nation of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah and the Israelites are in captivity, as we've already said. They're slaves. That's an important thing for us to note. The passage is addressed to slaves living, living in enemy territory, living in Babylon. We need to read this verse through the lens of these words. In this time of captivity, we saw there were false prophets going around claiming that God was going to release his people real soon. And Jeremiah tells them that these false prophets are just that, false. They're telling his people lies. And there's going to be 70 more years. Now that's bad news for those that were in exile who were in Babylonian slavery. But God doesn't stop there. Not only do we have to live in captivity for 70 more years, the people were told, but God also instructed them to seek the welfare of Babylon while they were there. That's some tough news to hear. Most of them hearing this message will be dead before they're released, as I mentioned before. And they're to seek the welfare of Babylon the welfare of the city where they're living? This is who Jeremiah 29, 11 was written to. Real people that were going through a real tough time. And we need to see that context. We need to see that that verse was written to these exiles. The meaning of this verse isn't a personal promise written to you. It's not a promise that 
If we follow God, he will allow us to prosper in this life. The context tells us otherwise. This wasn't telling them they were going to prosper. This was telling them they're going to be there 70 years as slaves. This verse is written to people who would likely all die in slavery. Not a great message. Not great good news, was it? This verse is addressed to a people, not individuals, to a group, to the Israelites who were in slavery. It is a promise that God is still in control even when things look so bleak. It's a promise that even though things might not make sense to them right now, God still has a plan for his people. He is giving them hope. The struggles that they're going through, they need to understand is God's doing. And, of course, this slavery came because of sin. But God is going to bring them out after 70 years, and they can have hope that their children will be able to see freedom after they suffered for 70 years. Now, it wasn't a great suffering that they had in Babylon. As we really look at the people, they could enjoy life there. And we see that many of them did. And when the time of their exile was over, some of them didn't go back. Some of them stayed in Babylon. In fact, we wouldn't have the book of Esther if it wasn't for some staying behind when others were delivered. Our Father in heaven, help us tonight to understand that you are looking at our best interest, that you want us to depend on you when tough times come, when things are not going in our lives like we want them to go. And I pray that your blessings would be upon your people tonight as we understand your word and we're able to see that you are in control of everything that's going on and you want us to depend on you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, Phone or message at 6438-6541. Email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.